Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome into 11 Personnel. Congratulations to Adam Luckett are in order because you know what? It's finally football weather. We did it. We made it. It just took us to the last week of the season, but we finally got it. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful forecast on the slate for this Saturday. If only we could tailgate. I woke up with your wife complaining on Twitter about it snowing on the first day of December. Mm -hmm. And... I guess that it's the, the – I'm glad to know it's just not in my household where I'm always too hot and she's always too cold. Like, I think that's a generalization we can make about all men and all women. It's never it, – it, they're always too cold, we're always too hot. It's just – it's nature. It's just uh, instinct, I guess. Um, Red-blooded American. <laughs> yeah, I, I – when we first moved in together, it was very like, all right, we need to, I got to sleep. It's got to be a little cooler when we well, sleep. Because here's the thing that, that that always frustrates me about the complaining about it being cold. You can always put more on. It's true. Like, I it's can't true. take more off. Eventually, there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. Except nothing true. between me and God, except cold brisk air and that's how i like it it but if, you, if you're cold like today was great because i got to wear a sweater indoors for the first time all year it's like hey i have all these sweatshirts like i'm I can finally wear them jackets mm-hmm. these are nice i never see these you know eight other months out of the year this is nice it just feels good to have it back like we're gonna get snow um in some places this weekend when we turn on some games it's just going to be nice to see um, some of these guys have to play in the elements, which is something I thought this season would have more of. But we've had odd weather this year, so we haven't really gotten much of it. Like last week, Kentucky was playing on Thanksgiving Saturday, and it was like 76 degrees in Gainesville. <laughs> it was basically like how they play them every year in September. Right, right. Like it would have been basically or a, mi- a, a, mild, yeah, a mild September if you caught them in the right time, usually it's 10 trillion degrees. Right, right, right. But yeah, you're exactly right. So um, hopefully some snow games, especially in the big 10 where they were like, Oh, we're going to schedule it out to where we don't have that many cold games. And I'm just, I'm hoping they get kind of screwed with it. I'm if looking they play the big 10. It's looking a little iffy. Basically what I, what Herbie was saying was that if teams think they're going to lose, they're just going to not play. Just going to quit. Yeah. I mean, he kind of called out Michigan on this. Uh, playoff show tonight but minnesota they i mean it looks like they're pretty much done they haven't played in a few weeks now you know what what's the point of them even playing like one more game well, kind of they, thing? they got away with uh cheating their way to beating purdue so they're like you know what we're just going to end on that it's our best chance at winning for the rest of the year we're good see ya mm-hmm. purdue got a big one this weekend frost coming to town both teams need to win. win. Yeah, it's a big game for both of them. 
freaking they had the Minnesota game stolen from them. They played just like dog duty against the Rutgers in the second half. Bob Diaco, Jeff, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah, I mean, how much research does it take on Bob Diaco? To, that one's to gonna be one. How long does it take him to realize the mistake? And then how long does it take him to fix it? Correct it. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, Could have his own kind of Shannon Dawson there. Which, you know what? We might as well get into it. Uh, This is 11 personnel. I'm Nick Rash, Adam Luckett. It's our first show under the new bosses. So we got to bring our our A game, Um, which. uh, I always bring my A game, Mr. Roush. I'm an A student. Well, I was an A student, but that doesn't mean that I didn't slack off. So I'm not, we're not slacking off tonight. We're actually recording before Kentucky faces off in the Champions Classic. But it's exciting times around the KSR compound. The future is bright. And the way that Mark Stoops put it on Monday, the future is going to be bright when he makes some changes next week. Yeah. Um, we're going to be <laughs> uh, covering a coordinator search, it looks like. Yeah. And here's the thing, folks. Like, the beautiful thing about having a podcast like it, I learned very early on that there's a difference between writing something and saying something. Yes, absolutely. There's a huge difference. Because when you write stuff, it's 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 physical, it's tangible, you can touch it, you can see it, you can feel it. I guess you could clip this, it's technically tangible, but it just things don't grasp on like they, they normally do. But in my case, I have been a, a pretty adamant grand defender over the years. I think it's well documented. I even get trash for being uh, the defender of grand. I'm like Jon Snow in the Battle of the Bastards for the most part. And throughout the season, we've been kind of waiting for just something to happen. And you you talked about the measuring stick like it, and it's it felt like there was something that happened in the middle of the year where Stoops was ready, like like somebody was ready to go in one direction at quarterback. And then they reversed course, and nothing's changed. And I, in my mind, it felt like Stoops was ready to move on from Terry. Like, thanks, Terry, for everything, but we got to try something else out because this ain't working. And we got to at least see what we got here. Where you go back to Terry and, you know, God bless him, but, like, nothing's nothing's happened there. I mean, 60 yards against a, a Florida team that's not exactly, you know, it's, it's Todd Grantham. Like, come on. It's easy to – we saw Steve Johnson just carve up Todd Grantham defense. This is not that difficult. They put pressure on you, but it's not that difficult. So, something just hasn't been there, Luckett. And we've been waiting for this moment. And the last two weeks have been tenuous. And after hearing from Grant tonight and hearing from Stoops yesterday, Stoops alluded to making – to moving forward – and, and making changes next week. And then when Grant's asked about, you know, what does the future look like? He's just, I'm only talking about South Carolina. And he sounds pretty beaten up over it. And, uh, you know, it's just – it feels like where we are. And it's it's time to move on. And uh, I think the words uh, – I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, like, is it sometimes you just need to start something new? Is, am I getting that right? Yes, fresh blood. Uh, five years, good run. It's not working. It's just time to uh, get a spark here. And I think for Grand, maybe it's time to, you know, get away and go do something else, um, somewhere else. Uh, because what they're – they're just – it's not working. It's square peg round hole right now. Um, what they're doing is not working. And that, like, the recruiting piece, which I think is a big part of this, um, which is kind of where I've got – part where, 
where I've gotten to the conclusion that they need to make a change. It's really um, certain uh, three different factors. One is Chris Rodriguez. Um, they didn't use him right this year. You can't get around it. It sucks that in their two biggest games, they didn't have him, um, but he was not used correctly. Like Kevin Harris is a guy who is in the running for the SEC regular season rushing title. And, but if you look at, you know, some of the metrics I use, Chris Rodriguez is way better than him in all of those. So if you're looking at a year, if stretched out Rodriguez, which what we've seen against good competition, he would have been able to do that. Now, of course, it sucked that he didn't play against Florida and Alabama because of COVID, but he, they had a guy, a legit first team, all SEC running back running behind that offensive line this year. And they just did, they, he did. He wasn't used correctly. Um, number two is this: the, the recruiting. Like the main players on this offense, um, specifically skill talent, are players where they really delved del- or dug deep into Grand's recruiting profile. You look at South Florida, some of these re- receivers. Isaiah Epps was a Darren Henshaw recruit. They went and got, and you know, all the all the we talked about the South Florida issues. So that that that's another thing. And Lee then Cleveland um, Thomas, uh, Akeem uh, Hayes, yeah, yeah. EJ yeah. Alexander left. He would have he three years ago. You would have projected him to be a big part of the offense in 2020. And Bryce Oliver. There, I mean, there's just they just haven't panned out um, for whatever reason. And then just the passing game numbers, they're just bad. The last I mean, two years they've been bad. You pointed out the stat. Earlier this week, the yards per attempt are lower this year. Um, you add that in with the inability to really develop a quarterback. Steven Johnson was a great story that they kind of hung their hat on early, but ever since then, it's been bad. The recruiting misses at quarterback. The, yeah. the biggest part of recruiting a quarterback is your offensive coordinator and your quarterback coach. Those are the guys that got to get those guys in here. And, like, they've targeted a guy, good players early, Mac Jones, Connor Basilak. Jaron Williams, they they can't get them on campus for whatever reason. They they just struggled mightily at recruiting quarterbacks. So there's there's just some factors there. I just think it's it's just time to move on. Um, it's time. I think the program. I think you're getting to a point where the players probably um, are are doubting the, the coaching staff too. Well, when you have something like that. Yeah, it just yeah. they need fresh blood too. I think everybody just needs a fresh start. And in five years is a good run. They did some really good things. You can make the case that Grand after Mike Leach is the best coordinator this program has had in a very long time. But it's, it's just time um, for everybody needs new beginnings every once in a while. And I think that just kind of feels like what this is. And the thing that, you know, no matter what conclusion they reach, I don't want to, you know, write the obituary before the body's cold. Uh, I mean, hell, the body's still there, but I do think that it's important uh, when Stoops does make this move that, like, yeah. we know that it's not because Eddie Grant's a bad offense coordinator or a failure. Like you said, his tenure is wildly successful. And really, I think Eddie's uh, mentality, you know, being an older guy in the room, um, when he came on is when Kentucky saw – it really helped Stoops take the next step. Have an older guy kind of demand respect in that locker room um, who was willing to adapt and adjust to whatever curveball was thrown at him. Um, and he had success. I, I think what I'm going to end up being most like where I'm going to end up targeting most of the blame, just because I, you know, I kind of like Grant a little bit more and because I think he's 
plays a large part in the success of having the program's all-time leading running back school history. Like, Green's coached some hella good running backs, and and he made Benny Snell the best we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like he put he, he's developed some talent. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Where I think the question is is I think it's a lot on the guy that hits his wagon to him with Darren Henshaw. Where it's like, you know, what do you got to show for? I mean, I know Terry got injured, but like. You know, what do you have to show for? And there's not really anything there for you to hang your hat on that, hey, this guy was good at this or he he wasn't so great at this. We worked on it and he improved. Like, I just don't see, I don't see that in the skill set. Well, that was the, that was probably the most likely option for most of the season was that um, Hinshaw would kind of fall on the sword and they would go out. Grant and Stoops would go find a quarterback coach. But I just think it's gone so bad, and then there's there's a lot of I think um, different factors that go in or makes a case for where you should probably just move on. Like you can't you can't have like it's not Henshaw's fault that this offense can't finish drives that they're putting barely three points per scoring opportunity, which is would be the bottom of the FBS. Like yeah. they have a senior offensive line, a senior quarterback, a really good running game. Why can't you score in the red zone? Like. There's, yeah. there's just no excuse for that like yeah. that's on the play caller you gotta you gotta figure it out right um and, and they and haven't and it's been an issue all season and that's why like ultimately the the wide range of like it, it there isn't just one thing and it's kind of shown throughout the year that this is a, a kind of massive structural problem uh and that's why i think they're going to ultimately end up just cleaning the house keeping keeping vince around but for the yeah. most part uh, yeah it seems that way now we don't know how what they think of Boo Knight and all that. But that when you go back and listen to it, that seemed like uh, when they made that hire. I think Stoops had mentioned a comment of um, Graham seeing him out on the trail and was a guy he really liked. So if that was more of a grand hire, then yeah, he's probably yeah. And I could, I could imagine that um, if they go out and get a new OC, that he would have a chance to interview with him or whatever, but you never know how these right, right. coordinators are with the guys they want, the guys they yeah. like their, their whole crew. Um, and what, what makes it the timing of it all too, uh, like it, the John Sharman effect on all of this, um, not just emotionally, like what it did to kind of just really, you know, like we're not, I'm not trying to say that he he's to blame for the season's downfall, but that just is an emotional hit on everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you tell uh, a guy who I think you previously mentioned uh, the, over at Oklahoma, uh, Gundy. Kel know, Gundy. If, yeah. If you tell a guy like, hey, you've never called play before, plays before, we can't really compete with, we're, we're not going to pay you Oklahoma offense coordinator money right away. But we'll let you call plays, and you can bring your offensive line. You you can have your guys in here. It uh-huh. won't be you working with new guys. That makes that makes the job more appealing uh, to most. And I, and I and I and I also think that just for the the kids there, that having just not the reminders, but not being. Having somebody there who doesn't have those scars who can really inject energy back into that place because I I do think there that's, is going to be they a just lot need, of that need they just need a new energy you're exactly right they just need that's why I keep saying fresh blood they just need someone new in there just to spark them um, because I think they're going out thinking you know this stuff ain't gonna work when they go out there on Saturday um, for the most part <laughs> so they just need a spark well, um, and you also look at the the players who've been there too like 
a lot of the guys that are going out now, they've been the, the guys that are we're going to celebrate on senior day. They've been around a long time. And yeah. so it, you're the kind of early stoops era. It, we're shutting the book on it. This is you, you're almost turning a whole new page on it. Mm-hmm. These kids have only been like now it's from 2016. It's from the start. Of, they don't even remember before Grant. Yeah. It's just since Grant's been there. So you're that's kind of where you're going from. And you mentioned that OL hire. There's four hires on a coaching staff um, that you have to nail as a head coach. You got to get your two coordinators, however you're going to call plays, figure that out. Strength coach, you have to get a good strength coach. If you don't have one, you can you can really uh, find yourself behind and it can really help the, hurt the development piece of your program. They talk fourth, about how significant that is at right. Iowa, that mm-hmm. the one guy, you know. Yeah. Um, fourth is yeah. the offensive line coach. The offensive line is the backbone of every football team. They don't get any credit, but they set the tone for every team. If you got a bad or weak offensive line, you're going to have a bad or weak team. Like your offensive line doesn't have to be great, but your your team has to believe in your offensive line, and they 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 they're the heartbeat in a lot of ways. They're the backbone. They're the heartbeat. They set the tone for the team. If your team doesn't respect your offensive line, you're going to have a lot of issues on your team. So getting that higher right, and more times than not, the offensive line coach is one of the most popular staff members on the team for whatever reason. Um, that it works out like that, but that's just how that is. Um, usually it's because it's a very selfless spot, and mm-hmm. offensive line coaches usually stick around a while. Self-deprecating. They're not jumping bunch. around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's in, – in like the, the point you made too, like as much as we, you know, talk about couch and east and all that, now it's going to really – I apologize to all of our older listeners. I can't think of their center's name. Jason uh, – Sites? Yes, for Cal. Jared used to tell stories on the football ca- podcast about those guys. Those were some mean sons of bitches. <laughs> like, yeah. if you came at their quarterback, they would do the, – there was no limit on how – they would reprimand you the consequences mm-hmm. of your actions i mean mm-hmm. the, the bottom of the pile was merciless um we'll, we'll just leave it at that but yeah that that just it's important that kentucky keeps that around mm-hmm. uh, and keeps that nastiness so well i said the drew barker incident we can revisit that there were oh, no man. offensive linemen there no so like if i was a coach and i would have like if i would have drew like next time you go out like, why aren't your dudes with you? They, like, you wouldn't have got – if you would have got punched, that guy would have, like – there would have been a whole heap of trouble. Right, right. Um, you know, because that's – and that's something I think coaches, if you ask them, like, from a quarterback standpoint, like, they better be good friends with their guys up front. If they aren't, like, that's that's not a good thing because that's, that's – you should be best friends with those guys. I mean, just revisiting that quickly – the the funny thing about that is Patrick Graffrey was the guy who did it, and he was the most Joker recruit ever. Like he was just, they had never heard of him. He shows up to a camp and they offer him, and he commits that day. Yeah, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I he never made a campus, goes to EKU, and then gets back into headlines by, I mean, it was a hell of a hit. Yeah, like he got stuck. I mean, but that was the first. I never really said anything at the time, but that was the first thing I thought was like, okay. 
Where are the where's his offensive like where's his offensive line? Where's his center? Where's his right guard? Where's his left tackle? Like why is he like what's going on here? I mean Barker went down harder than Nate Robinson. Yeah, it was bad. He he got him in a he got that was a cheap well, shot, no doubt about that. The only at least Robinson was like facing it and he kind of walked into it. I mean, his face hit the hit the mat. That was yeah. whew, that was a hit. You ever you ever been in a fight before, Bucket? I've been a time or two, yeah. Okay, I was sure. about to say, I, I'm glad I got that answer. I didn't need details or anything, but you're an Oklahoma guy. I just, you know, it's a given, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, every once in a while, you got to settle things the old-fashioned way. Um, but nevertheless, I digress. not to get not to get in our uh, our uh, bar our bar brawl years, but you mentioned Kale Gundy. Let's get back on point here. Okay. Did you notice who showed up at Oklahoma practice this week? Huh, that was awfully interesting. Do you notice who South Carolina is about to hire? So Shane Beamer is yeah. on Oklahoma staff, for those right. that do not know. That's who South Carolina is going to hire. It's probably going to happen before this weekend hits. It would make a lot of sense for Shane Beamer to bring somebody off this Lincoln Riley tree as kind of his play caller. That might be kind of what he's selling in the interview. Meanwhile, Kentucky, Mark Stoops needs an offensive coordinator. Kale Gundy's this guy who's been at Oklahoma forever. Bob Stoops hired him on his first staff at Oklahoma. He's been there ever since. He's coached every position on offense. Um, He seems like a guy that's ready to kind of take that jump and go call play somewhere. Mm -hmm. He's found that interesting. Bob Bob Hmm. Stoops is there. So – here, Bob Stoops owes Mark one, maybe, for, for stealing, stealing Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Yes, he owes him uh, 10 for stealing Lincoln Riley. Um, man, that is just well done. Way to connect some dots there, Luckett. Because, see, I got caught in all of the um, the shiny lures because somebody threw out Neil Brown's name yesterday, and immediately I'm just like, yeah. ah, get him, Neil Brown. I mean – He's smart enough not to take it was, that job. That that was too late in the process for all that. That was uh, if he that was maybe his agent leaking it out, trying to get maybe a Western Union to get scared or something. But that was right. that, that didn't make sense. Yeah, and but also as a Kentucky fan, you just naturally like, oh god, like I, I insecurely I thought of it more as like, man, it would be awful to have Neil Brown as a constant measuring stick in your own division. Like if you if you miss out on yeah. the deal and another school does and they're cashing well, in on it, just just from Stoops' love to have a former assistant right there at a school you got to bang yeah. heads with a lot. And a that, guy you're, too, that you're pretty even just, with, that you're not above like a tier above or whatnot. That could be. I know. And he's so what? Like he is one of the most beloved, which I football I, figures out there. Find weird though because there weren't a lot of Neil Brown believers there in 2014. Like there weren't a lot of upset people when he left. No, and now it's right. kind of turned right. around. But but a lot of that is, I think, just everybody hates the offense coordinator. The offense coordinator yeah. is always an idiot. Uh, we also didn't realize just like the tools he was working with. But then when he opens his mouth, you're like, oh man, he's one of us. You know, like he just pulls you right back uh-huh. in so I, I think that certainly plays a part of it so but i was i got, I got caught distracted by that shiny lure glad you brought us into shane beamer because that is uh probably inevitable as soon as this uh this game saturday i keep, I keep yeah i keep what i think it's oklahoma plays baylor on saturday but it doesn't even like 
Like they shouldn't even matter. He should be able. They should be able to hire him right now. I don't know really what they're waiting on. I guess they're probably going to get through the game on Saturday and then maybe announce it on Friday and then he'll coach the well, game and then he'll be there on Sunday kind of thing. That I remember Narduzzi did that at Pitt where he was where it might have been he was at the bowl game where yeah it was different though like this is they still got like two games in the regular season to play South Carolina does. Oklahoma, oh. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, they, they would leave the other one. I think some of it, too, might yeah. be out of respect for Bobo. Maybe like, hey, you want to hang around? You haven't been here long. Yeah. These guys don't yeah. really know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've heard that Bobo can maybe be a guy they want to stick around. But to me, like, I think Beamer probably is behind the scenes. That would probably be a sell that he's going to bring somebody off that Lincoln Riley tree. So, I, I don't know. I, I can just see maybe a bitty more breaking out for Kale Gundy. He's never called plays before, but – He's got the the Lincoln Riley. He's got a name too. Silver approval. And as much yeah. as Mike Gundy, his brother, can, Mike Gundy, you know, uh, kind of a turd in the punch bowl, and just yeah, you know, I'm, you know, like as much as he's like that, he he's been in Oklahoma State for God, what, yeah. twenty years now, almost. Yeah, I mean, he's been there a long time, and that was one thing earlier too. Like, hey, an offensive coordinator lasts in five years. It's pretty good. Most head coaches don't. Yeah, that's last. good sell. Five years. Um, so having a and, little stability here is important. And grand, like this is debated or whatnot, but Georgia, we think Georgia offered him. We, we stand by that report that he was yeah. offered that job. Was that a was that last year or the year before? Was that was that for eighteen? Was that for eighteen? It was right before they hired Coley. Yeah, it was twenty eight after twenty eighteen. So it had been before twenty nineteen. Man. Ooh. Coley, where's Coley at now? He's Texas A&M's tight ends coach. He's on a. Uh, Adam has Jimbo. put together. Adam has put together a little board. Um, at the top of it, the more I kind of dig, the more it seems like Gundy probably feels like the guy who should be the top candidate. That from where I sit, um, but Coley is definitely in the discussion. I would think. Coley is in the. He's almost like uh, the. When what Saban does for I mean I feel like he's like that with Jimbo. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I digress. I wanted to go back to the other story that Stoops uh, fired up and it might, hell, it might already be extinguished, but uh, I guess he was just in a real honest kind of mood or in a news breaky kind of mood. But when John Hale asked it about, you know, what happens if you get a bowl bid? You're going to go? Is it a guarantee? And he was like, well, I got to gauge the temperature of our team. I got to see where we're at. Um, and I think a lot of it's just because, hell, he's fatigued right now. I think they're all yeah. pretty burnt out between injuries and COVID. Like, it it, it's, it feels like a war of attrition. Um, but whenever the players talk today, Landon Young and Josh Ali, I mean, I know some of it can maybe seem like empty words. But for a guy like Landon Young, a senior who's – you know, he bleeds blue as blue as anybody wants to bleed. He's like, you know, I, I'd love a chance to put on that blue and white one more time, lay it all out there for my team. And when you got a handful of important guys like that out there, I think that sentiment is probably shared much more widespread than we think. So as much as we kind of worried for 24 hours, like, oh, man, Kelvin Joseph is opting out. Are they even going to go to a bowl game? Like, I think a lot of that news just hit real fast and kind of caused a panic. I don't, I don't necessarily think that – the sky is falling and they're just ready to quit on the season with, you know, a week to go. I just think they need some time off. I just think they're kind of burnt out. I think after, you know, get about 10 days off, they'll probably be all right. All right. 
let's go. Like, let's let's play let's get one more. Let's get out here and play one more, and then the season's over. I just think it's been a long season, a different season. I think they're just burnt out, and I think that's where that answer came from. They really yeah. just needed some time off. Um, once they get that, I think they'll be ready to go. Like, I don't think they're – it would make very little sense for them to turn down a bowl opportunity. They're not – they haven't really been hit by opt-outs. There's plenty of young kids still here. Right. Um, you and, mentioned and would, some of the leadership they had. It seems like they have pretty good leadership. They're um, by all accounts, their COVID numbers for the most part have been pretty solid all year, from what we know at least. Um, they've been able to fill the team. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to turn down a bowl bid, especially for those young guys. I mean, Mark Stoops just signed his best yeah. class, and he's got a freshman quarterback that he could trot out there and a bunch of freshman receivers. Like, hell, let's make it a JV game. Worst case scenario, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it could be an opportunity to maybe see. You know, throw Gatewood out there, throw Ball Allen, see what you got with them. Um, and, and you mentioned the COVID stuff, and he got kind of – he almost wanted to uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? He, he wanted to kind of, like, say, we did things the right way. All of you jerks got everybody – everybody caught the COVID and so you didn't have to deal with it now whenever we got a team full of injured players you know like mm -hmm. we we did things the right way and now we're getting kind of screwed we got the scheduling mixed up with us where we had to play three out of four so I think he was fed up he shared the number 26 27 and like it every number that he shared uh so far it's always included injured people too so, yeah he said people that have it but he's talking about just people who can't be at the facility inactive yeah, exactly. And that includes staff members as well. So, like, it sounds bad, but it's it's not necessarily as bad, uh, you know, when you look at a depth chart as it, it possibly could be. And, and or bad enough to even, like, call off a game at that. Right. Like, that's why I say that. I think they've handled it pretty well. Like, he's, he's – I guess as the season's going on, he's getting more um, – as Stoops is, getting more – I don't know, like more upfront about those issues and trying to let people know, like we've had plenty of COVID issues. Like let's not forget about this in this season. Yeah. Like yeah. it's something we've had to deal with. <laughs> right. Right. Just because we didn't have a game canceled, which South Carolina, Kentucky, only two SEC teams that are playing their 10th game this week. Yeah. And props to both, both of them for getting that done for both of them had disappointing seasons. So getting here, I think, you know, good good on both those programs for getting that done. We do need to talk about the opt out though by Boss yeah. Man Fat. That was um, like I I don't I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised that he did. I'm just surprised at the timing of it. It's like, well, I think the story in this is that Stoops wouldn't let him just sit for one week. That he was like, no. Yeah, you need to go on, make a decision. Um, which makes me wonder, like, what other, what uh, if would he, like, if Josh Allen said he wanted to opt out at the end of 2018, would he have let oh, him hang around? He would have made up an injury excuse or something. You know? Yeah, but he did. Like, usually he's players friendly on that type of stuff, at least from where I'm sitting. So I did find that interesting. If maybe they're just ready for him to move on, kind of thing. Maybe both parties ready to move on. Yeah, um, I never got the sense that he was going to be here for more than a year regardless. The only reason I thought was, like, he had some moments that were bad this year. 
but he had some shine that was really good, and he was going to get first-team All-SEC, potential All-American buzz coming into next year just because of the interception numbers and his name and being a former high-profile recruit. And if he really could have, you know, shaping some things up, he could have really worked himself into being, I think, like a top 50 pick. Um, but now he – now without digging too deep into draft Twitter and seeing how – what kind of status the corner position is, I would assume fifth round at best, fifth, sixth, probably area. He he will get picked. Right, but right. It felt he, like he had money on the table to grab if he comes back and works on some things and then comes well, he out needs, next year. He needs film. Like, dude hadn't played that much. You know? Right. And you know what film is going to get looked at a lot? Is that last game he played in where Kyle Pitts torches him? But like, I felt like he was kind of within range of grabbing him and he didn't make a play on him. Like, that whole it was so bizarre. Just kinda, he was right there. He just, he, uh, they, he got caught in the, in the middle kind of there, kind of got caught in no man's land and Pitts ran by, right by him. Um, but yeah, there's some moments. I mean, Seth Williams had the, got the best of him, season opener. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Mingo at Ole Miss kind of, gave it to him and he really that Mingo hasn't really done anything the rest of the year um, but he also has some good moments against Alabama he made some plays when they let him just man up on the outside he showed some really good ball skills um, the interception against Mississippi State and Georgia both were plays that we really don't see Kentucky corners make well and that's the thing is like I I, I mean he's the best corner there's been some good cornerbacks here but I can't think of one Trevar Lindley's he's the best one since Lindley. Yeah, and I mean Lindley had the benefit of longevity. Like I, I'm curious what we would get with a larger sample size of yeah. Lindley was legit NFL corner by the time he was a senior. Like he was legit. If he didn't have those knee issues, he would he I think he was like a third round pick. Um I have to go back and look, but he was around the NFL probably five, six years. He probably would have went higher if it wasn't for those injury issues. But that's also part of the reason Kentucky got him as a recruit was because People backed off of it going into senior year of high school because of that interception he had. I guess it was the first Music City ball, the one-handed in the end zone. That was yeah. just that was like the coolest play. Like I could, I mean, I just remember just being well, in awe of that incredible play. The biggest play in that LSU game was that pick he had. Just man coverage, a little on your throne. He made the play. It kind of swung. Like Kentucky was hanging around there in the fourth quarter, but they needed a big play to get back in it. That was. They won the game because of that play. Fourth round. Fourth round. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Fourth there round go. to the Eagles. Yeah, man, he was so good. But, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt you could say that Kelvin Joseph was that good. He had four picks in nine games, and I don't think Kentucky had somebody have four picks in a season, in a 12-game season since. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, this is It's one of your guys, too. Like it. Um, can, you, can you name him? He didn't play defensive back. And he had – you brought up one of his big plays earlier. Sam Maxwell. Yes, Sam Maxwell. Um, I guess 2010, I think. Was yeah, 2009. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the last Kentucky Wildcat to have four picks. And then I think somebody uh, – there was somebody that had six one year. But four interceptions is kind I mean, of I, the high watermark. I guess Edwards like Edwards must have got the three a couple times. He maybe not never got the yeah, four. Yeah, he got yeah. the three twice and then two, I think, his junior year. Um, okay. But what's incredible is that, like, I know that it was different back in the 50s whenever Jerry Claiborne did it, playing for Bear Bryant, because quarterbacks sucked. 
Uh, so it was pretty easy to do, but he had something like 17 in a season or something ridiculous. Like, yeah, there's, there's a couple stats in that record book that you just can't believe are real, which by the way, if y'all out there listening to some dads out there and you got some kids who are real big football nerds, you can't really do it anymore because we just don't print things off, but go to the UK website, ukathletics.com, click on the football page and then click on more and they'll have the fact and record book. And look, I remember when I was a kid, I used to flip through that and try to like memorize some of them, you know, like some of them were in the programs that you would actually get yeah. games. And some of it, we would just get a media guide for the year and, and have it at the house. And I'd flip through and go through all that stuff. That's, I mean, hell, uh, if you got, if you got a kid who's a big UK football nerd, like that's a day just yeah. pouring through all the stuff in there. There's, there's a lot of high quality. Uh, information there uk football past present. this was a pre-ksr days but my grandpa was a subscriber to the cat's paws and they had that weekly magazine type thing yeah i remember going over there and i would just flip through those all the magazines he had for hours and i would take some home and i remember like doing that i thought that was like the well, coolest thing in the world to have something like that to read the yearbook was the big yeah the, the yearbooks were cool especially because like i think oh, they even, still do them yeah, they still do the yearbooks. It was it was real big because like hell, I I got my name in a couple of yearbooks because they cover high school too. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I remember in high school going to Walden Books in the mall just, when that came out and flipping through it to see what they said about well, the high, about next. Uh, hell, my dad. They're going. You know, my parents. You know, I swear they're always just going through old stuff at our house. He sent me a, a text of an old basketball preview from two thousand nine and ten. Uh, where it's Nick Roush is returning, averaging 9.6 points and <laughs> 6.4 rebounds from his junior year. And I was, they picked us to finish second in our district. Of course we did. We can – basketball is such a stupid sport. Like, like it, uh, brief aside, the one thing that I do enjoy about football much more than basketball from just a prognosticating standpoint and just from a, like, I know what I know kind of standpoint – is that in football, it's very rare that you just go out there and, like, can't do anything that you're normally supposed to do. I think in Kentucky's case, you probably get one a year where it's about a 50-50 game. Kentucky's better than them, but they play at their absolute worst and, like, a stinker, so they lose. But in most cases, if you are a, a better football team and you should win the game, you're probably going to win the game unless you play terrible and the other team plays great. Basketball is so stupid because it takes so it's it's just it's such a subjective sport. There's not like specific calls and a lot of it's just the players freestyling and are they good on a given night? And that drives me absolutely insane when I flip the switch right now to go from football to basketball because sometimes it's just your your best player's missing a bunch of layups, and there's something going on in his head, and it's a Sunday afternoon, and I don't know what the hell is going on. And frankly, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts, damn it, because what brought it up is that that my final high school basketball game, we had two shots and a half. We were not, we were a good shooting team, and just it was nothing was working, and that stuff just happens. And I feel like it's so much easier to happen in basketball. And that's why basketball stupid, football great. Well, basketball. And you know, all the levels growing up until you get professionally. It's a one-and-done tournament, despite the fact that it's a sport that should be played on a larger sample size. Like, because of what you're mentioning, 
basketball, you should play a lot of games, and then your playoffs should be should be you should have to beat a team multiple times. Instead, it's not like that. So that's why upsets happen because you're right. You can you know if you're yeah you got a hot hand one night or you got a cold hand one night. Well, you quit uh, foul trouble. Towns. I mean, basketball is the only sport where an official can take somebody out of the game, except unless they did something egregious. Uh, Benny Snell, Music City Bill. Right. I mean, that's but that's a rare, <laughs> rare occurrence. Yeah. And it's not just that. It's imagine if like Alabama's playing Auburn on Saturday, Devontae Smith gets two uh, questionable hits, and he's got to go sit on the sideline for. Uh-huh. Two possessions. He misses two <laughs> possessions in the first half. Like, I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. So, oh, man. so that's that's another factor of the sport, and that's why they're they're post, the post like college basketball in general. The postseason is awesome, but um, the regular season has um, a lot of you know. I won't, I won't say boring. It just has a lot of lulls. I think. And a lot, a lot, not a lot of people pay attention to because of the, I guess, just how it's designed. Like you said, like you can get hot, cold one night. You're playing multiple games, traveling, all that. Where football, football's a, football's a small sample size sport. What I tell people all the time, it's that you only play a certain amount of games, and if you have a couple times where you don't play well, you can have a bad season. But if you play well and you get a couple bounces, you can have a really good season, even though you might not be as good as, you know, your record says right, you are. Right, right. Which this year, it's the smallest <laughs> sample size that it's ever been. And I love all of the debates now because we did have an extended week of football. It was a horrible – like, can you all – you idiots. ESPN, I'm talking to you. You're idiots. What are you all doing with your scheduling? We had one good night game. Yeah, out of every dumb. out that's of dumb. every freaking day, we had five days of football and we got one good night game and it got canceled. The stupid Steelers Ravens, they still haven't played, and it's almost a week <laughs> later. Like, what the hell are you doing? You could have had an egg bowl on Thursday. You put the egg bowl at the same time as the iron bowl. You idiots, what are you doing? Yeah, you just had like do you not pay attention to what everybody's talking about? The dog pit, and you know what? It didn't have the same. Like, but it still came down to some theatrics at the end where you got Hail Marys and all that kind of junk. Mm-hmm. But I just – I, it was so frustrating that that Kentucky game was in the middle of all the other great games that were happening. I mean, that afternoon slate was great too. I think I had to change it on like five different channels. And then you just got like Pac-12 football at night. Like, God, good God, what are you doing? Like, go away, Pac-12. Give us some action Saturday nights before I have to watch that junk again. Friday was good though. Yeah, Friday was good. That North Carolina Notre Dame, and that's that's the thing that I wanted to bring up about sample size though was people like like Notre Dame is getting a lot of credit for that win, and it's to the point now where the the big theory luck it is, ooh, what if Ohio State is is done playing? They don't play a Big Ten championship, and then Florida beats Bama, and then Notre Dame beats Clemson by like a touchdown, like or, or vice versa. Do you do you make it? Uh, do you have an? Do you throw an A and M there? Do you make it all ACC, SEC? Do you keep the Big Ten out? I'll, those are the the national talking points right now because the, even though Ohio State's preparing to play on Saturday, there is a possibility that it could be canceled. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's, yeah. It's nuts. Here's the thing. Ohio State and Notre Dame are the biggest brands in the sport. If they're Alabama both too. those yeah. Big. Yeah, but I would put them above Alabama because um Alabama's got like national fans, but Notre Dame's a whole different animal. Alabama's I think Ohio more regional as well. Yeah. Ohio State's a different animal. Like you go to Jacksonville, Florida, there's three bars on Saturday night full of Ohio State fans. You go to Dallas, Texas, there's 12 bars on Saturday night full of Ohio State fans. Like they're they are they're everywhere. I mean, Bowl they're, that, last they're, year we went to the Ohio State bar and there watched you go. them play Clemson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Both them and Notre Dame. I know people hate them, but they are national brands. Like they're going to want both of them in that in that playoff. Um, so they're undefeated. They're they're getting in there. I, I it's just going to happen. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't think Florida's going to beat Alabama, so I don't think we'll have to worry about that. Yeah, Dan then, melting down on Grantham, like kind of shows you where they are i don't know and then like the only thing if notre dame beat clemson you could see a case where clemson could get knocked out but i don't I don't think that's going to happen either so i mean i think it's going to be you know i think it's pretty it's going to be alabama alabama one probably clemson two they'll give ohio state three notre and then notre dame four. four so you get alabama notre dame and then you'll get clemson ohio state rematch in the nightcap yeah, they'll want that rematch too. My 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 father. Yeah, Fields versus Lawrence, number one versus number two in the draft. Yeah, my father-in-law is still pissed off about that call. Where, what was it? The fumble or targeting? Was, yeah, or, yeah. Was it the targeting? And then there they was one. The, there was the targeting, and they had the fumble. Yeah, the they fumble. called. They, the fumble. They wrote it incomplete, was... but it should have been a fumble. It was, and they overturned the call. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, they should have won that game. They got a they got a little hold job there, but. That was probably uh, just uh, karma for the Miami crap <laughs> they won a national championship on. Yes, there we go. I, I like the way you put it. Ten-second late P.I. So, like it. Nowhere. This South Carolina game on Saturday, um, first I want to take some time to salute the seniors because like all seniors this year at all levels, they've gotten the shaft when it comes to – getting your due, getting your time to shine in the spotlight. Um, and it stinks. It's it's not the way they wanted to go out. I mean, I know especially for the guys, the, the, the big boys on the, on the big blue wall, like it, their final year has been defined by trauma. Um, yeah. But, but the thing that – there was something that Landon Young said today, and it's why I love the guy and, like – I there, there's just some folks that, like, you, you, you cover throughout doing this job who – I don't know. I just it, like hell. He was one of my first interviews at KS. Not one of my first, but I remember uh, after he committed, he was only like a sophomore. And yeah, he's been around for a while. Matt was like, that. he's like, yeah, the, I got this kid's number. You can go talk to him, interview him. And like, I just remember thinking as a 20 year old dumbass or 21 year old, however young and dumb I was. I think I even interviewed him in my fraternity house. Like, I mean, that's how long ago it was. Um, <laughs> but over the phone, obviously, I'm not going to bring a high school kid into a frat house. But I, I just remember thinking, like, man, this kid, he's he's got his head on straight. And he said something tonight that I was just like, see, this is why I like Landon Young because he gets it. Is when I asked him, you know, what's the defining moment? You know, what, like when you look back 
on your career? What, what, what really strikes you first? And for him, it was his lowest moment. And it was missing out on that 2018 season because he had a he blew yeah. out his knee in preseason camp. And he said, you know, it, it it made me learn a lot about myself. And it also made me hungry, hungrier and more motivated to know not to take this for granted. And the thing is, like it that strikes me on a personal level because we forget about what these kids are going through just in life. And I had one of those kind of just low moments in general in college where you're trying to figure out what you want to do. You know, your girlfriend dumps you. For me, I broke my ankle too. So like, you know, I'm supposed to be having my fun senior year and instead I'm wheeling around campus like a jaggle off. But it was just him learning from that experience shows true growth and true development as human. And, and that's what, like, that's all you want when you, like, that's why we follow these guys. That's why, like, I got a family friend, Denise. She's had season tickets for God knows how long. And she is there for every game. She owes it to the kids. And she wants to show how much she appreciates them for all the work they put in. And that kind of, uh, what, the, the kind of putting in something and getting a lot out of it. Like, Landon Young has put in the work. And he's gotten – it's it's going to pay dividends for the rest of his life, no matter what he does. And that's what I love seeing on senior days that, and and the families being able to get together and just kind of rejoice that, you know, you, you, you did a lot to, to get to this moment. And uh, the fact that you like, look at what you've done so far Now go in one more football game to, to, to really celebrate a, a, a career well done, a job well done. And like many of the other classes, the last two or three or so, it's been a story about transforming this program and that they've played a, a, a really important part in making sure that the foundation of this Kentucky football program is stable. You mentioned just Drake Jackson and Landon Young, like they've been around a long time because you got to think back to their recruitment. They were committed for a while. And so they're both red shirt seniors now. I mean, we're talking seven years, seven plus years well, of them they, being part of the Kentucky football program of guys we talked about. They were all Americans that didn't waver. They were from the state. And yep. it was right after that 14 class. And you're like, well, you, you still need to have some momentum. Things weren't going great, but they they stayed strong. And 2015 class is Stoops' is best by far, right? And we agree on that. Yeah. I mean, 2016 is up there. You got Steven Johnson, Benny Snell, Drake Jackson, Landon Young. That, that that sorry that I'm I'm getting that my years mixed yeah, up yeah yeah, that, yeah yeah that's yeah CJ Conrad was in six fifteen him and Josh Allen were in fifteen okay thank you I get on my man we've been doing this a while Steve's <laughs> been here eight years Jordan Jones was in twenty sixteen um, that twenty sixteen class was uh pretty good oh, Jordan Jones I wonder what he's doing who knows I was thinking about today Jordan Jones. Because I was thinking about Jamin Davis, the PFF produced that stat. They had him as the second highest inside linebacker rated. And I was thinking about big years we've seen from Kentucky inside linebackers. And Nathan. <laughs> yeah, that's where my mind went at first. But then <laughs> you look at Jordan Jones' 2016 season when Man, he was the only one making tackles the first couple of years, and then he had like 11 tackles for loss or something. 
he had a monster 2016 season. It was his sophomore year. He yeah. was second in the SEC. Ahoy to Zach Cunningham, who that dude's yeah. freaking good. I mean, he's yeah, he's still doing it. Uh, yeah, so. it did for the Texans. Um, but yeah, he, I think he had something like 116 tackles that year. I want to say, yeah, yeah, at least. I mean, it was up there. Um, Man, but yeah, the, like, Jamie Davis is having um, a really good year, kind of quietly. And we're not really talking about him a lot, but he's going to be an important piece for next year. But the seniors, man, like they had really a great run. You look at – they got – as soon as they got here, Kentucky goes to their first bowl game, and they've been in a bowl game every, ever since. Yeah. Um, they were a part of the Tim Wynn historic season. Um, they were a part of three – three and one against Louisville. The only loss was when Lamar Jackson won Superman. Um, they smoked Louisville twice. <laughs> beat Tennessee. Okay. Beat Tennessee – well, if you're Couple a retro times. senior, they beat Tennessee twice, beat Florida, mm-hmm. um, had those long winning streaks against Missouri and South Carolina, and never lost to Vanderbilt. They just they've been around for a lot of good good moments. So that's really, I think, the way we'll look back at them. Like when they come around in 20 years or whatnot, um, when Drake Jackson gets his name his name in the ring, which it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be like a three-time All-SEC guy. Um, that's what we'll look back and remember was how good Kentucky was while he was here, like just consistently good. Five straight bowl games, never been done. Yeah. If they go to one this year, which yeah. I, I think we all think is likely. One guy who doesn't, who won't get mentioned, like obviously Boogie, he had plenty of moments. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Big Snack. Max Duffy, the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Like, yeah, one of the best individual years we've seen from a team or a player, excuse me. And last then, year, of course, right Zach now. Johnson, maybe the best hit I've ever seen. You hear what on a football said in person? this week, though, regarding him? No, he said something about uh, that's I think he said this in the coaches show last night. Okay, that's a guy if he wanted to come back, we would be very happy to have him. It made Is it he- sound like that's a conversation they're going to have. Yeah, and he's going to have some conversations with some guys. I think Josh Ali could be a candidate for that because he never got his red shirt year. Um, yes. So, and, you know, Kentucky could use some receivers. Um, but the hit that Zach Johnson had at the Belk Bowl, I mean, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I think he had a pretty long return in that game as well. He's just been the the consummate special team spark plug. And now it's going to kill me that I can't think of the guy's name from two years ago that was a lot of fun on special I know you're talking Matt um Charles it was like a Massey or something a number 84 oh. uh what so was I, his name I can't believe I can't remember his name it's not it's I think it is Massey but it's not spelled like the the congressman not like Thomas Massey like I think it's, it doesn't sound like it's that it didn't sound right was, what, what is his name it's not Charles Bassey they lost a wobble tonight um Man, I'm gonna find it here in a Because he was so much fun, and he wore like number. He was yeah. had a number in the eighties. Eighty four. I can see him with the long hair. Oh my god! Because the one last year was uh, the goat guy who played the H back. Um, and now I can't even think of his name. And I enjoy all of his Instagram updates. He's at Cal now, and I cannot think. Of oh, Schlegel. Name. Schlegel, yeah. Um, 
Mushi, Charles Mushi. Charles, yes, there it is. Ah, I, there I we go. Was, I knew it was Charles yeah, with something. I just couldn't land on it. Mushi. Oh, was it Mushi? Yeah, it, it, it was a Charles Chuck situation. Your uh, Bouvier Bouvier situation. You know, yeah. call him whatever you want. Man, that guy was fun. Yeah, I, I love a good special teams guy because yeah, as who are earning their keep certainly, and uh, they need to earn their keep because they've been making too many special teams mistakes as of late. Uh, Kentucky needs to play a solid game of special teams because, look, well, I am kind of concerned that they took out Colin Hill to put in this Doty guy. Um, did Hill get hurt and I miss it? Yeah, um, I think it was more just he wasn't getting the job done, so they just made a switch. And they got I a freshman who's who's just – he's a wild card, and I, I worry about these wild I cards. I wouldn't worry too much from what I've seen from him. Um, Shot Smith, they don't know if he's going to play. He's practicing but not doing contact yeah. drills. Been in the concussion protocol. So. Their second leading rusher, Deshaun Fenwick, is out. So Kevin Harris is really good. They're starting running back. But when I, Doty, um, he's made some plays um, last week against Georgia and Missouri. But South Carolina has some of the issues Kentucky has. Their receiving cores stunk. They don't have a receiver outside of Smith who has more than 10 catches. True. They have. Kentucky's at least got that. They have a solid tight end and Nick Muse, who they probably should have used more. Um, he's really come on the last two games, or kind of similar to Keaton Upshaw. Mm-hmm. They have a stud running back, Harris and Chris Rodriguez. Um, some quarterback questions, so they they're pretty similar in offense. Um, but did you hear what Doty said this week? He said he's never seen snow, let alone played in it. <laughs> oh, that's great! It's like uh, Blake Bortles saying that he had never seen snow before when he went to like play in Cleveland so- or something. And then this game really comes down to uh, establishing the run and stopping the run. Kentucky's pretty good at stopping it, or better than South Carolina. I think they've been pretty good at it this year, where South Carolina's not very good at stopping the run. Get Chris and, Rodriguez back. And you get Chris Rodriguez Ooh. fresh legs against a South Carolina defense now that is without their leading tackler at Mike, um, the SEC sack leader at defensive end. They've got another D starting defensive lineman that's questionable, probably not going to play three starters in the secondary who have already opted out. Man. So they've got a lot of holes there on defense. They are very thin on that side of the ball. And Georgia absolutely crushed them with the ground game last week. The running backs ran for over 300 yards. They averaged like eight-something yards per carry. Had a success rate over 75%. So I think it's going to be a pretty big day. I think Rodriguez could have a very, very big day. And for Eddie Grant, it can be a kind of going-out party. Um, you do what you do, just, you know, let's run the ball and see how many yards you can gobble up because I think there's going to be a, yards, a lot of yards to gobble up against the South Carolina defense. Adam Luckett, I need you to remain calm when I read these words out loud to you. All right. 65% chance of precipitation. Highs below 40 with lows in the 20s. Winds 20 miles an hour. Rain switching to snow. <laughs> Accumulation of an inch. That's the wheelhouse right there. It also, the thing I like about it too, is they talk about the, the precipitation happening in the afternoon going in the evening. It always comes later than what they say. So hold on to your butts. It, it's going to get dope below 32. going to be some flurries in the air. I hope it's, I hope it's flurries. Nothing's worse than cold rain. Flurries and snow. Mwah. 
And this spread should tell us something about this game too, Nick. It's a double-digit spread. Yeah, it's folks total's not real high. Like that that's and you know Kentucky's had their struggles. That says more about South Carolina and their state than it does really about Kentucky, I think. Yeah. Well if there's anything that the last time but, Kentucky played an interim coach in the final game of the season, it's that you can win by forty if you, you run the damn ball. It's an important game for those seniors. Obviously you want to send them out on a win, but also recruiting momentum. We're starting to see the D commits. There's been a bunch this week. Tennessee just lost their highest-rated commit. Florida State lost their highest-rated commit, who's a quarterback who's probably going to flip to Ole Miss. Um, so the decommits are coming. Like Kentucky needs some positive news. Um, tomorrow or today, I guess, when you all listen to this, it'll be two weeks from signing day, the early signing period, on the That's 16th wild. of December. Yeah. So, I Absolutely. mean, it's coming fast. And Kentucky really needs to hold on to these guys they got, get the signatures on the dotted line, and then go out in this next period and – Fill, fill whatever remaining needs they have. It's going to be a crazy, crazy couple of weeks around here. Um, but hey, we got one more regular season football game for the postseason is upon us. All the chaos of recruiting, potential OC, coaching search. So, well, again, I, I hope you're ready for the blitz, sir. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, we appreciate y'all for listening to 11 personnel where college football never stops. We'll be back next week. Until then for Adam Luckin, I'm Nick Roush. Go cats and go Kroger.